Well, good morning, everyone, and thank you for watching this uh, service from First Baptist Church in uh, Rock Hill. I'm Pastor Steve Hogg, and we are continuing our teaching series on the kingdom of God and our place in it. Today, we're going to start in Matthew chapter 20, so go ahead and grab your Bible and uh, get ready to dig into God's Word. I'm going to pray and then share with you God's Word for today. Father, thank you for each person who is watching and listening to uh, this service. And I pray that your Holy Spirit will minister to their lives, to their hearts right now. Help your word to make sense and speak to them. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I started uh, preaching when I was 17 years old. That's almost 47 years ago. I was a junior in high school. And, and I remember the first time a church paid me, gave me a check after I had preached. It was a small church. I had filled in for the pastor who was out one particular Sunday. And a few days later in the mail, I get this letter, and in it is a check. I think it was for $25. And uh, it just felt weird. Uh, I had not expected it. I'd never been paid when I'd preached previously. And today, I understand that churches have a responsibility to financially care for their pastors. And, uh, you know, payment is a big part of our culture. When someone works, it's just normal. It's the right thing to do to pay someone when they do a job for you. And, you know, and, and most of us, as we go through life, we, we feel we've earned our paycheck. We put in long hours and we work hard. And when we get that paycheck, we deserve it. We, we did the work. We should be paid. And we understand in life that there really is a connection between what you put in and what you get out. That, uh, that, that it's not just hard work, although that matters. Sometimes it's also working hard, but it's also sometimes working smarter, how smart you work. And, and let's just be honest. Most of us don't like it when some people just, they seem to have an attitude that, you know, they expect a handout. They feel entitled whether they, they've worked for it, earned it. They just feel entitled and, and we react negative, negatively to that. We, we think people should earn things. They should deserve it. They should be disciplined and put in the effort. And then when they do, they deserve to be paid appropriately. And, and I really, I agree with that, that that's all true and that's all good. But there's one exception. There's one exception. And that exception is salvation. Salvation does not work that way. Your relationship with Christ and being forgiven of your sin and going to heaven, you being saved does not work that way because we don't earn it. We don't deserve it. In fact, no one, listen, no one enters God's kingdom because they earned it. No one enters God's kingdom because they deserve it. Jesus made that very clear. And you need to know that. The truth is, each person in your life, everyone you know, also needs to know that. So we're going to start this morning in Matthew 20, learning more about the kingdom of God, and 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 we're going to we're going to focus on how you, how I, how people enter the kingdom of God, and how you and I help others to enter His kingdom. So if you have your Bible, follow with me as we begin reading in verse one. Of Matthew chapter 20. Jesus is teaching, and, and as he often did, he's using a parable, a story, to make a point. And so here's what he says He says, The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers, workers, for his vineyard. 
And when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius, which is a typically a day's wage in their in their time, he said a denarius for the day. He sent them into his vineyard, and he went out about the third hour, which would be about 9 a.m. So he goes out a second time about 9 in the morning after he'd already sent those first workers into the vineyard. So at 9 in the morning he goes out and he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to those he said, you also go into the vineyard. Whatever is right, I will give you. And so they went. Verse 5. Again he went out about the sixth hour. So it was about noon. And in the ninth hour, so three in the afternoon, and he did the same thing. Then about the eleventh hour, five in the uh, evening or after late afternoon, he went out and he found others standing around. And he said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day long? And they said to him, because no one hired us. No one offered us a job. He said to them, you go into the vineyard too. Just, just go out there and begin working like the others who are already there. And then in verse 8, the Bible says, when evening came, so sometime after 5 p.m., we don't know exactly when, when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers, call the workers, and pay them their wages, beginning with the last group to the first. So start with those who began working at 5. And when those hired about the 11th hour came, when those who started at five in the evening came, each one received a denarius, a full day's wage, even though they had not started until 5 p.m. Verse 10, and when those hired first came, they thought to themselves, and I think all of us can understand why they would, they thought that they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And when they received it, they grumbled, they complained, they were upset. They grumbled at the landowner, saying the last men have worked only one hour. So that means that uh, everybody quit at six, six o'clock. So they worked one hour, and and, and you've made them equal to us because he paid them a denarius. He'd only worked one hour, and he just like he was paying these who'd worked all day. He said, you made them equal to us who have borne the burden and the scorching heat of the day. But he answered, the landowner replied, he said to one of them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not, listen, did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go. But I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. That's what I want to do. And then in verse 15, is it not lawful? Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with what is my own? Or is your eye envious because I am generous? So the last shall be first and the first last. Now, this is a fairly well-known parable of our Lord's, of, of Jesus Christ. And he's doing some important teaching in this parable when it comes to our relationship with God, when it comes to thinking that, that we earn and we, we deserve more than others. And, and even when it comes to salvation and the main point, listen to me, the main point this parable is making is this. It's that salvation, listen, salvation does not depend on merit. Salvation does not depend on accomplishment. Salvation does not depend on your work and what you think you have a right to, what you have earned. Salvation is solely based on God's grace 
and God's generosity. Jesus is making the point to those that are listening to him tell this story, this parable, that God is generous, and if he wants to be as generous to this group or this person as he is to a different group or a different person, God has the freedom and the right to be generous to everyone, not just those who think they deserve more, who think they have earned more, those who think they have worked more. Salvation does not depend on your merit. You can never work enough to go to heaven. You can never do enough to deserve entering the kingdom of God. It does not depend on your merit, on your effort, on your work, on your accomplishments. Being part of God's kingdom is available. It is possible only because of the grace and the generosity of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Basically, he is teaching us here that, that in, in a very real way, we are all equal. We, we are all the same. Think about it for a moment. Each and every one of us have sinned. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's not a person listening to me right now, not a person watching this message who is not a sinner. We all are sinners. The Bible says there are none that do that that do good and sinneth not. We we all are guilty sinners. We're we're also equal because not a one of us deserves salvation. Let me ask you a question. What is it you think you have done that causes you to believe you deserve God's kingdom? You deserve heaven. You deserve forgiveness. You deserve salvation. The Bible makes it clear that none of us deserve salvation. None of us deserve entrance into the kingdom of God. Why? Because we are all sinners. It makes it very clear that none of us can save ourselves. I cannot save myself. You cannot save yourself. I cannot get myself into the kingdom of God. You cannot get yourself into the kingdom of God based on our merits. We are all, we are all saved the same way. We all enter the kingdom of God the same way. Jesus invites us and we say yes. This landowner, this landowner went out into the marketplace early in the morning at 6 a.m. and he saw people standing around who needed a job. And he said, you want a job? They said, yes. He said, go into the vineyards and I'm going to pay you a fair wage. And he did. He went back out at 9 a.m. He saw some more, said, you want a job? Yes. Well, go into my vineyard. They said, we'll do it. He went out at noon. He went out at 3. He went out at 5. Listen. People are saved and come into a relationship with Jesus at different moments in life. Some do it while they're young. Some do it while they're older. Others do it in the middle years of life. But we all come the same way. Jesus comes to us and he says, do you want to be part of my kingdom? Do you want to go to heaven? Do you want to be in a relationship with me? Do you want to be forgiven? And we all enter into the kingdom of, of God the same way by saying yes to the invitation Jesus gives us. We all get into the kingdom the same way and not one of us earned it, not one of us deserve it. We are there simply because Jesus invites us and we said yes. This is the gospel. This is the good news that we as followers of Christ proclaim. And Jesus, during his ministry on earth, did more than simply die on the cross to make atonement for our sin. Jesus 
practice the very thing he tells us to do. In Jesus' earthly ministry, he went around sharing with people the good news of the kingdom that Jesus is inviting them, that the Father is inviting them into the kingdom, into relationship with him, and all they have to do is say yes, commit their lives to him. In Matthew 9, verse 35, the Bible tells us that Jesus was going through all the cities and all the villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, the good news. The gospel means good news. And it's good news that God's kingdom is available to us, that he invites us in. And if we say yes to Jesus, we enter his kingdom. We enter his family. That's what Jesus preached. And that's what he taught his disciples to do as well. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus sends the 12 out on a preaching mission, a teaching mission. And he's training them. He's equipping them. And we read in verse 7 of that chapter, he said to the 12, as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Every time someone hears about Jesus, the kingdom of heaven is next to them. And all they have to do is say yes to step into it. In the person of Christ, in the message of Jesus, in the gospel of the kingdom, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's right beside anyone and everyone who hears that message, inviting them to enter, and all they have to do is say yes. Jesus gave us, me and you, those of us who are his followers, the responsibility of making known to the people we know, the people we encounter in life, that God's kingdom is available and they can enter it by saying yes to Jesus. You're in Matthew chapter 20. Just go back a couple of pages to Matthew chapter 16, one of the most important passages in the New Testament. Pick the story up in verse 13. The Bible says when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, so he's in the northern region of Palestine, if you will, of Galilee. And the Bible says he was asking his disciples, so he's talking to the twelve, who do the people say that the Son of Man is? What's all the gossip about me? And they said in verse 14, some say John the Baptist or others Elijah, but still others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. People think that maybe you're one of the Old Testament prophets come back from the dead. Maybe you're John the Baptist come back from the dead. Verse 15, then he personalized it and he said to those disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter speaking for all of them answered, you are the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, the son of the living God. And then Jesus said to Peter, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And then a very important, important verse, verse 18. And I say also to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell, or the gates of Hades, will not overpower it. Now look very closely at verse 19. He says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Now, lest you think that 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 word, that verse, only applies to Peter, two chapters later in chapter 18, verse 18, Jesus said the same thing to all of his disciples. So it's not just a word to Peter, it's a word to all of his followers, to all of his disciples and to us. And he says here, I give to you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. I give to you. Let that sink in. I give to you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind or close or lock on earth 
shall have been bound or closed or locked in heaven. And whatever you loose or open on earth shall have been loosed or opened in heaven. Now, we know what we do with keys. You lock and unlock doors. And Jesus is saying here, his followers have the capacity, the ability, dare I say the responsibility, to open the door to heaven, to open the door to the kingdom, to those who are lost, to those who are not part of God's kingdom, to those who at this moment are still part of the domain of darkness. They are lost. They are in their sin. And if they died today, they'd go to hell. Jesus says you have the ability to open for them the possibility of heaven, to open for them the door into the kingdom. But you can also close it. You can slam it in people's face. Every time you and I invite someone to church, every time you and I share our story of how Jesus saved us with someone who's not yet following Jesus, every time you and I take the scripture and share the gospel, the story of Christ, how to be saved with someone who doesn't know Jesus, someone who's not in a relationship with God, we open for them the possibility of heaven. We open for them a door through which if they will say yes, they can enter the kingdom of God. What a privilege. What a, what a responsibility. But when we refuse to do that, when we refuse to share the gospel, the good news, when we refuse to invite people to church, when we refuse to share our testimony, it is as though we are closing that door and locking it so that there is no entrance available to them into the kingdom, into heaven, because they must hear the gospel before they can say yes to the gospel. And when we share the gospel, we open the door. When we don't share the gospel, we close the door. And that is exactly what Jesus is teaching in this passage. Now being locked out is not fun. I remember <clears throat> about 30 years, <clears throat> excuse me, about 30 years ago, Monisa and I, uh, we, were, we were vacationing out in Arizona on a Friday evening. We'd flown into Tucson. It was June, so it's hot. We got a rental car there at the airport, drove to our hotel and spent the night. And then the following morning, we got up, and our first thing we were going to do as tourists, first, first trip to Arizona, we were in our early 30s. We drove out to the Sonora Desert Museum, and we wanted to see the desert and the animals and all, all that was a part of that. And so we, we park in the parking lot and get out of that rental car and close the door and lock it. Now, remember, this is early 90s, and uh, I no more than had closed that door that I realized I had locked the keys up in that rental car. What a great way to start your vacation. So I had to call a locksmith. Now, the problem is the Sonora Desert Museum is several minutes outside of Tucson. It's on Saturday morning, so I have to wait about two hours for the locksmith to show up. And then I think it cost 50% more or something like that because it was on a Saturday morning. And, and I can remember being so, so frustrated. Just a terrible way to start a vacation. All of us, all of us have experiences. When we've locked our keys up in the car or in the house or something like that. And it's, it's not fun. Can, can you imagine? Can you imagine how terrible it is to be locked out of the kingdom of God? To be locked out of heaven? 
To know that there was a door, there was an entrance into the kingdom of God, into a relationship with God, but God's people, for whatever reason, never told you about it? Never said, here's how you can enter God's kingdom? Here's how you can enter a relationship with Jesus Christ? Can you imagine how tragic that is, how terrible it must be for people who don't know Jesus, for people who are lost, to never know there's an open door? Because God's people never tell them, don't care enough to share with them, to pray for them, to invite them. What a tragedy that many, many times we are closing the door in people's faces. Now, listen, I know, I know most of you, you're, you're good people and you love Jesus and you're not intentionally slamming the door in anybody's face. But brothers and sisters, we need to understand that when we say it's not my job to be an evangelist, it's not my job to invite people to church, it's not my job to be a witness for Jesus. When we say, you know, my life is my witness, I don't have to talk. Yes, you do have to talk. Every time we use those excuses, the reality is we are closing the door to the kingdom of heaven and the faces of people. And some of those people are people we love. They're relatives, co-workers, classmates, good friends, teammates, members of the club that we're part of. And Jesus wants us to open the door, not close it in their face. In Matthew chapter 23, if you can turn there real quickly, please. Jesus had some really harsh words for the Pharisees, one group of religious leaders in Judaism during the time of Jesus. And 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 in this chapter, he condemns them time and time again, saying, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Over and over he does this. But I want you to notice one of those woes. In verse 13, Jesus said, But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Why? Because you shut off the kingdom of heaven from people. You shut off the kingdom of heaven from people. How do you think Jesus feels when those of us who say we love him, those of us who have been forgiven and been saved, those of us who've been spiritually born again into his family, we've entered his kingdom and he, he died for us so that could happen. How, how do you think he feels when, when we want to keep it to ourselves? When, when we close the doors to the kingdom, to heaven in the face of people that are part of our world, part of our sphere of influence, if you will. You see, the gospel message is that God's generosity is available to everyone, to everyone, no matter their background. No matter their age, the generosity and the grace of God is available to everybody. And whether they come into his vineyard at six in the morning or five in the evening, God wants them to come. He extends to them an invitation, an open door, and he uses me and you. He uses us to let them know they can go into the vineyard and work, that God wants to be generous to them, that he wants to forgive and save them. We are the ones who hold the keys. We are the ones that God says, go and invite, go and tell, pray for them, share with them, love them, care about them. That's the gospel message. And we have the responsibility. We have the responsibility of sharing that gospel message, that good news. 
And you say, Pastor, I've, I've never intentionally slammed the door in anybody's face. I believe you. I believe you. But when was the last time you shared the gospel of Jesus with somebody who was not following Jesus? When was the last time you got on your knees and prayed by name for people who are lost? When was the last time you sat down with someone face to face and shared with them your testimony of how you came to faith in Christ so that they can know they can come to faith in Christ as well? Who was the last lost person? Not, not somebody who goes to another church. Who was the last lost person? Name the person. Who was the last lost person you invited to church? What are you doing to intentionally develop relationships with and care for people who are far from God? And what is your response to this message today? I want to present to you three practical things you can do. Number one, I'm challenging you to choose a day this week, any day this week, and fast. Abstain from eating food all day. Fasting is saying no to something so we can say yes to something else. So we can have a spiritual focus to choose one day this week and fast. And the purpose of your fast and what you're going to pray about throughout the day are for people you know who don't know Jesus. Throughout the day, you are fasting for people you know who are lost to come to Jesus Christ to be saved. And include in your fast a prayer that God will make you more courageous in 2022 than you have been in 2021 when it comes to speaking the name of Jesus and engaging with lost people. That's one challenge I'm presenting to you to take one day this week and fast for the purpose of people you know who are lost being saved and for you to be even more courageous than you already are this year than you were Last year. Here's the second challenge, number two. On Saturday, January 15, here at First Baptist Church, we're going to provide some evangelism training that day in partnership with the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association and, and the Christian radio station in this area and other ministries. And, and from 9 a.m. until 2.30, Saturday, January 15, there will be evangelism training helping you in a very simple, practical way know how to share the love of Jesus, the story of Jesus with friends and others who are not following Christ. I'm challenging you to show up to be here on January 15 for that training. And then the third thing, if you're part of our church family on February 27, which is a Sunday that morning, we're going to do some training in what is called neighboring, teaching you how to develop relationships with, pray for, care for, and share the gospel with your neighbors. And that principle applies not only to the people in your neighborhood, but people at work, people at school, people that are part of groups or clubs or social organizations that you're a part of. We're going to do some training that Sunday morning. So the three challenges I'm presenting to you is to fast one day this week for people to be saved that you know who are lost and for you to be more courageous in telling them about Jesus. To attend the evangelism training, the witness training on Saturday, January 15, and to, a to attend and be part of the neighbor, neighboring 
the neighboring evangelistic effort that we're going to be focused on all of 2024 and provide additional training. But it kicks off with training on Sunday, February 2027, that you choose and do those three things. Let me close with this. There was a couple out walking, hiking in the mountains one day, and they had their little Jack Russell Terrier named Charlie with them. And uh, suddenly a squirrel ran across their path and, and headed out into the woods. And, and uh, their, little, their little, little terrier, Charlie, chased after that squirrel. He got loose and started running after that, uh, that squirrel. And, and, and just a little time he was out of sight and they couldn't hear him and, and, and he didn't come back. And they couldn't find him. They asked other hikers they, they encountered if they had, they had seen Charlie and no luck. And they were really getting concerned because it was dangerous. There, there were coyotes in, in those mountains. And they stopped at the ranger station and asked any, if anyone had found Charlie. And they were told no. So they, they called their Bible study group at, at their church and asked them to pray for Charlie. They called the local radio station and, and said, would you please put an announcement that Charlie is, is missing? And, and soon people started gathering and for, for the rest of that day and that afternoon, people were out searching, searching for this little terrier, for this, for, for Charlie. And, you know, whether it was mountain bikers or rangers riding up and down the trails, mem- listen, members of their own Bible study class showed up. Some of them came, drove up to the mountain and helped them start searching for little, little uh, Charlie, but, uh, but uh, no looking. By the end of the day, the end of the day, it, it seemed like Charlie might be gone. And then they got a call. Some campers, listen to this, some campers had found Charlie, listen, had found Charlie hiding underneath a car that was parked in the exact parking space they had parked earlier that morning. And, you know, that, that's, a, that's a, a warm story. People going to such lengths to search for a small pet. And yet, we won't pray for a lost person by name. We won't invite them to church. We won't walk across the street or, or, or down the street to get to know a neighbor. We, we won't take an evangelism class to learn how to share our testimony or how, how to talk with people about Jesus. We will, we will go to great lengths for so many things. But what about a lost soul? What about a person for whom Jesus died? How far will you go to care for, to love, to pray for, and to reach one of them? to say to them, the door to the kingdom is open. All you have to do is say yes. God's grace and generosity says come. Will you accept one of these challenges to fast a day this week, to do the training on January 15 and on February 27? Will you care enough to do it? God bless you. I'll see you next week.